Yeah, man, they would. But I'm like, for real, why why you care so much what the Dixie chicks say? They're not like they political scientists and nothing. They just they just like the same good. You know what I mean? Stop worshiping celebrities so much. Just don't listen, pay attention. I remember right around September 11th, uh, Ja Rule was on MTV. That's what they said. said we got Ja Rule on the phone. Let's see what Ja's thoughts are on this tragedy. Who gives a fuck what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this? Nigga, this is ridiculous. I don't want to dance. I'm scared to death. I want some answers that Ja Rule might not have right now. I think when bad shit happens to me, I'll be in the crib like, oh my God, this is terrible. Cause somebody please find Ja Rule, get hold of this motherfucker so I can make sense of all this. Where is Ja? Help me, Ja Rule. Some MVP, huh? <laughs> all right, all right. Let me, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop fucking with Steph. Man, somebody help that man. Help that light-skinned nigga, man. Just help that man. God damn. That nigga dragged a bag of sand to the goddamn playing game. You got to clap it up for, for a nigga like Steph. You got you to gotta clap it up for the season that Golden State had. The very interesting season, might I add. Um, Yeah. But oh boy, yes, the Golden State Warriors ended up losing to the Memphis Grizzlies, and I am two and three, Lord have mercy, that shit is terrible, that's just terrible, but hopefully tonight we can set the stage here, this is King Known Uncensored, this is the 2021 NBA Playoff preview as things are now official like a referee with a whistle and a gangster with a pistol. Oh boy, Ja Morant though tonight, baby. Let's get into that. The final spot for the playing game for the Western Conference ended up being an overtime thriller. 
And Steph Curry had 39 points. That light-skinned nigga is a bad boy. Now, he might have lost the MVP trophy, but goddammit. And then he goes home. Yeah, this is how... This is what... This is why Steph needs to help, bro. I mean, I don't give a fuck about what the other guys did tonight. It doesn't mean anything without the win. If they would have won, those other guys probably would have got a little bit of validation. But let's look at reality. Steph does not have a guy that can consistently get you 20 points. Everybody want to talk about Wiggins, but... Wiggins needed 30 tonight to win this game. Memphis also proved that their roster is just better. You got JV. You go Jonas Valley and Shunas. He can get you 17 and 10. You know, you got Dylan Brooks who can get hot and defend. Although Steph had 39, Dylan Brooks made him work for it. Because Steph could go for 50. But I felt like in order for the Warriors to be successful, Wiggins had to have 30 in these situations. I'm not saying Wiggins played bad. He played okay. But if Steph had another guy that could get you 30 on that team, like Clay, they definitely wouldn't even be in this situation. Steph Curry needs another legitimate superstar. Not a sometimey-ass nigga like Wiggins and a nigga that's allergic to offense like Draymond. Despite Draymond Green having a triple-double tonight, the man choked a layup, bro. An easy dunk, by the way. There was nobody there. This nigga decided to go for a terrible layup. I mean, Draymond Green had what? 11, 16, and 10. That's great and all, but can you imagine if he had 15 points, guess what? They would win the game. (laughs) I'm just saying. If he averaged like 15, 16 points. But I just felt like Memphis just wanted it more. That's the name of the game. You can't really blame an individual player for the Warriors losing. It's just that Memphis just wanted it more. And if you look at everybody not named Ja Morant, they didn't shoot well. Kyle Anderson shot two of seven. Jaron Jackson was one of six and in foul trouble. Even JV was three, only three of six and didn't even score 10 points. He had 10, he had 12 rebounds. Kyle Anderson had 10 rebounds and six assists. Dylan Brooks shot seven of 22. It was all John Morant tonight. It was rule, baby. Yo, hips. Yo, die. Hey, bud, bitch. got me down. You know what I'm saying? It was all Ja. What would that be what would they be without job? You know what I'm saying? It was all about rule. But they still had one, two, three, four, five, six niggas in double figures. Grayson Allen put put in some good work today. Xavier Tillman was big for them. Despite him missing that first shot, he hit some big shots in this game. Desmond Bain, the rookie, you know what I'm saying? He looked pretty good out there.
And I also think that uh, Taylor Jenkins outcoached Steve Kerr today. But Ja Morant just had a, had the best night of his career. And that's where we leave it at. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. It's about that time. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the 2019 playoff preview for the first round and the first round only. I am not predicting my way to the finals. Everything is set. Let's get it on. I need a clean fight. Let's get it on. All right, Utah versus Memphis, baby. Utah and Memphis are very... Let's go in the West. Let's start in the Western Conference. The 1-8 matchup. Utah and Memphis. These two teams are very similar. Both teams have an elite guard. And a wide range of good role players. Decent center. I mean, Rudy Gobert might be, you know, is a defensive player of the year candidate. But Jonas Valley and Shun has got offense. With a little bit of defense. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is playing the four for the Jazz. I don't think Utah has like a solid four. Yo, oh yeah, get your popcorn ready. This is going to be like an over 30-minute show, so. I don't even think I'm going to get into the uh, new music Fridays. I don't think so. It's not enough time. We'll see. But anyway, Utah and Memphis are very similar teams. They both are defensive teams. They both have a, a good offensive punch. But I actually think with Mitchell not being 100%, Conley not being 100%, that this could turn out to be a seven-game series due to many similarities between the two teams. Because I think Memphis got nothing to lose, and Utah has everything to lose. So that could play a role here. I wouldn't be surprised if Memphis upsets Utah. But I'm going with the Utah Jazz in seven games. Let's move on to the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. These two faced off last year and went an extra game that they shouldn't, shouldn't have had against Luka Doncic and the uh, Dallas Mavericks. But the Clippers are on a different mission. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the Memphis Grizzlies... Are this is a little Steve I mean, the Clippers, I think I'm gonna go with the same prediction I had last year. I think Luka Doncic is definitely gonna be on his A game, he's probably gonna average 38, 10, and 9 more than likely. But the problem is, is Przingis gonna be healthy? And if so, will a third guy step up to help them? Because Tim Hardaway Jr. is a streaky shooter, but that, that's not somebody you want to depend on. And then if you look at the other players on the team, the rest of them are hot and cold. Jalen Brunson is going to do the, his J.J. Barea impression. You know what I'm saying? I just think the Clippers are just too well-rounded, especially with the addition of Rondo. I think they're going to be way entirely too much. Now... Nobody on the Clippers can check Luka, but they can for damn sure check everyone else. I mean, Porzingis is going to be tough for a, a tough assignment for Zoo because, you know, per, you know, Porzingis likes to hang around the perimeter. But I just don't feel like Dallas has enough depth to keep up with the Clippers' depth. If you look at the Clippers' depth, you have, what, Rondo, 
Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Nicholas Batum, Avisa Zubak, Marcus Morris, um, Reggie Jackson, um, Patrick Patterson, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard. So, yeah. Um... I think the Clippers are going to be just too much in this matchup. So I'm going to go with Los Angeles in the 4-5 matchup against Dallas in five games. All right, let's move to the 3-6 matchup. Denver, the three-seat Denver versus the six-seat Portland. Um, the loss of Jamal Murray is very tough for the Denver Nuggets because... When he's going, you know, this is playoff Jamal Murray. Playoff Jamal Murray is similar to playoff Rondo because all he does is go off. But yeah, I am going to pick the Portland Trailblazers in six games. Here's why. Joker is pretty much all they got. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. can get you 25 points a game in that series. That's completely fine. Denver does not play defense. But outside of Porter Jr. and Joker, where are they going to get their scoring from? That's only two guys that can possibly get you 25 to 30 points. You need a third guy in a lot of these situations. And Portland has extended firepower. You have Dame Lillard, you got CJ McCollum, you got Carmelo Anthony, you got Norman Powell, you got Robert Covington who could be offensive. I don't know the status of Nurkic and if he's playing or not, but if he does play, they have Nurkic, they have Ennis Cantor who can get you, who's a who's an automatic 10 and 10, maybe an automatic 10 and 15. You know, Denver still has, yes, they still have Will Barton. But they're going to really miss Gary Harris this year now that Murray is gone. They're thin at guard. We don't know the status of Monte Morris, whether he's healthy. I mean, uh, Sh uh, little Shaq, you know what I'm saying? He can provide a little bit of offense, but he's never been in this situation before. So with that being said, I'm going to take Dame Dalla and them in six games. And the series that we've all been waiting to discuss, the Phoenix Sun, the Fantasons, the Fantasons, uh, Kobe, I mean, uh, the Fantasons versus uh, the two seed versus the seven seed Los Angeles Lakers. Now, this is going to be a very, very interesting series. But once again, I tell you time and time, every show, Chris Paul just plays it too safe for me. Chris Paul has to be a dog in this series. He has to average 25 and 11 this series if they're going to survive and move on to the next round. And this is Chris Paul's year to prove that he is the man because there's a lot of pressure on this dude. Chris Paul has been a two seed before. And guess what? They ended up losing in the second round of the playoffs. It seems like Chris Paul can't get to that next level. I mean, yes, he has a good team around him this year. He has the number two team. I believe that the Suns did overachieve. These are facts. But they have a good team around them, though. You know, they got Chris Paul. They got Devin Booker. They got Jay Crowder, if healthy, because we don't know his status. Torrey Craig was a good pickup for them. Uh, 
DeAndre Ayton has to be the guy to step up this series because he has the hard job of checking AD. AD at 50% is still better than DeAndre Ayton at 100%. And then when LeBron James and Anthony Davis impose their will on the game, you cannot stop them. You would have to prevent a third player on that team from scoring more than 18 points. And who is that guy? We don't know. Schroeder is inconsistent. Kyle Kuzma is inconsistent. Markeith Morris doesn't get enough playing time. Trez is not getting enough playing time. THT is only getting like 10 minutes a game. So their wrote they you know Frank Vogel has shortened that rotation. Then KFC, he's gonna he's reliable. He's a reliable shooter. Wes Matthews can get going. Ben McElmore, if hot is unstoppable but in this series I believe I'm gonna go with the Los Angeles Lakers in six games even though I'm going to be rooting for the Phoenix Suns to actually pull off the upset because this is what Chris Paul needs to solidify himself in the all-time great discussion as far as all-time greats and all-time great point guards Steve Nash has been further than Chris Paul in the playoffs. Well, actually, I take that back. They have been to the same place, losing in a game seven of the conference finals. If there's any year for Chris Paul to prove himself, it's this year. The pressure's not on D-Book. This is his first playoffs. The pressure's not on DeAndre Ayton. This is his first playoffs. Chris Paul is the experienced veteran and it's time for him to put on his big man draws. Pause. Hella pause on that one. Super pause on that one. And show these motherfuckers who... I'm I'm just like that nigga Leon on Snowfall. Show the motherfuckers who you is. You feel me? But I still got the Los Angeles Lakers. I believe that Phoenix is going to win the first two games. Then the media is going to hype that shit up. And then Los Angeles is going to come back and smack them 4-0 after that. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference, y'all. Oh, yeah. And if everything goes according to plan in the West, Utah would play the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers would play the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's move on. All right, all right. The 1-8 matchup, Philadelphia versus the Washington Wizards. I believe that... I'm going to take the Philadelphia 76ers in five games. I believe Russell Westbrook is going to have one of those triple-double games and Bradley Beal is going to have a hot shooting night, depending on which game. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington took the first game and Philly beat them the other four. That would be my prediction of how things are going to go. I just think that Philly is just too deep. Philly can go 10 deep. I don't think Washington could go more than eight deep. I mean, if you look at Philly's roster... You got Ben Simmons, you got Danny Green, you got um, 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 Matisse Thybul, you got Tobias Harris, you got Joel Embiid, you got Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, Mike Scott, you got um, um, Dwight Howard, you got, um, what's the other dude that start with Ben Simmons? Oh, fuck. It's a, it's a guy I'm forgetting on that team. I know it's the nigga I'm forgetting on their team.
But anyway, man, Philly, Philly just got too many players. Washington, I think Philly's <laughs> second team can hang with the Washington Wizards. There's somebody I'm forgetting on this team that's cold. Oh, yeah, I forgot they had Gary Clark. Seth Curry, that's the guy. And George Hill, I forgot about that nigga. Yeah, I had to pull up the roster. Oh, they got Anthony Tolliver, too? Shooter. Yeah, Philly's just entirely way too deep for Washington. I mean, Washington has Beal. Do they even play Denny Avicia, though? Washington has Westbrook, Beal, Gafford, Alex Lynn. Ooh. Ish Smith. Chandler Hutchinson. I mean, dude, what the fuck, dog? The Wizards dragged... Beal and Westbrook dragged these ragtag motherfuckers into the goddamn playoffs. That shit is fucking weird to me. It's the it's the bad team for me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I understand, yes, Westbrook and Beal are very important. Oh, I forgot about Davis Bertrands because he's been stinking it up. Rui, I forgot about him. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to forget Rui. But, um, yeah, and Raul Neto, yeah, but, ugh, that roster just nasty. Beal and Westbrook eat up most of that goddamn salary, so I don't think they could get a third guy there to help him unless he's a veteran that's willing to take less. But yeah, I'm taking Philly in five. Now let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets and the and the Boston Celtics. It's time to bury these niggas, man. Put them Nick put put the Celtics ass in the dirt. Smoking on Tatum pack tonight. Smoking on on hating ass Celtic fans and Kyrie hater packs. Man, I'm taking the Brooklyn Nets in four games. I don't give a fuck, man. I, I mean, I love Tatum. That nigga probably going to average 37 a game. But no Jalen Brown, no wins. Period, point blank. I'm sorry. There isn't a second guy out there that I would trust day in and day out. And yes, Kemba, I'm talking about you. Because I believe that Kyrie heard everything people were saying about Kemba being better than him. And I think Kyrie's going to average 38 this series. Straight up, I think Brooklyn just has too much depth for Boston. Boston, I think, I think Boston's gonna quit on Brad Stevens. And they're gonna get swept and sent home. I mean, even if KD Harden and Kyrie weren't healthy, I still think that the Nets would win that series. But you know, the, the Celtics would win a couple games if one or two in, or even if all three went down, I would still take the Nets over the Celtics. No disrespect, but I mean this with all disrespect, respectfully. <laughs> I know that didn't make any sense, but I just wanted to laugh. But yeah, man. But here we go, man. This is not even going to be... 
worth talking about, you feel me? Man, this is very fucking interesting. Very fucking interesting. We got the 3-6 matchup. Miami versus Milwaukee. I just feel like Giannis just doesn't have enough. Even with the addition of Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker, I still think Miami has their number. That is my statement, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm sticking to it. Because I truly believe that Miami just got too much firepower. They got youth. They got experience in the finals. They got shooting. They got defense. They got the best collection of young players and veterans, arguably, in the league. I mean, they're fucking deep as hell, too. I mean, come on. You got Drogic. You got Tyler Hero. You got Duncan Robinson. You got Kendrick Nunn still. You got um, Jimmy Butler. You got Bam Adebayo. You got Andre Iguodala. You got Precious Achua. You got um, Trevor Ariza, which is I, which I view as the most underrated pickup of the season. Milwaukee, you know that yes, they have Giannis, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, and Chris Middleton. But how far have they gotten with that? The conference finals when they got embarrassed by Kawhi and the Raptors, who were known for choking before that. Come on, dude. I believe that Mike Budenholzer will be fired this season, as he should. Because I just don't think that even with DeFincenzo and um, the other players on that team, I just don't think it's enough for Miami's balanced attack on offense and defense. So I am going to take the uh, the, the Miami Heat in a six-game series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Last, but totally not least, we have the 4-5 matchup, which I view as probably the best set of games that we're going to see. I know, I know, I know. But, um, I actually am going to pick, alright, this is the, the four-seed New York Knicks versus the, Atl- the five-seed Atlanta Hawks. This is going to be very tight, but I am going to go with the New York Knicks. In a five-game series. I wouldn't be surprised if this goes seven, but I would trust the New York Knicks more than I would trust the Atlanta Hawks. Because I believe that Tom Thibodeau being a battle-tested coach, then Derrick Rose being in so many wars, is going to put them over the top. And I think Atlanta's going to be in all of those five games. But they will have the inability to close four of those games. I don't think they have enough experience. They have the talent. I mean, you do have Ice Trey. You do have Bogdanovich. You do have Danilo Gallinari, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. You got. I don't know if John Collins is healthy. If John Collins is healthy, they could take two games. Maybe. But I'm still going to run with the New York Knicks in five games. Because I trust the most improved player, Julius Randle. I like Emmanuel quickly. I like Derrick Rose. R.J. Barrett has come a long way. 
You know what I'm saying? So that New York Knicks team is pretty fucking solid from top to bottom. So if everything goes as the plan, Philadelphia will play New York in the second round and the Brooklyn Nets would play the Miami Heat in the second round. But I guess I got time to squeeze in new music Fridays. Um, It's been okay. It hasn't been like illustrious. It hasn't been necessarily exciting, but it has had some interesting things. Um, Matt Kami, a Griselda rapper, um, released an album today called Pray for Haiti. You know, there's pictures of him recording that shit on an island. Him, shots of him and Jay-Z and West Side Gun co-signing the project as he executive produced the project and appeared on the album four times. I think the project is pretty solid. It's not an album of the year candidate, but it's still pretty solid and it can argue for the best project released today because I, I pretty much enjoyed it. The lyrics were good. He definitely repped um, his... Haitian roots on this album heavy definitely uh falls under the realm of Haitian Jamaican roots with the Joey Badasses the biggies of the world you feel me pretty solid project now somebody that didn't release a good project was Young M.A. although I gave the project a B minus I only personally like two tracks on the album Hennied Up and Club Stories But the rest of the album was average to trash to butt to... Off the yak. Young M.A. should just stick to doing verses on people's records. That's her strong suit. Or his or whatever the nigga want to go by today. That young ma'am sir. Um, 42 Doug. I didn't necessarily get to finish that motherfucker, but... From what I heard, it's pretty average. It is not as good as the Young and Turnt series. The Young and Turnt series had hit after hit after hit. This one maybe got two. Uh, the track with Future probably could be a hit. And maybe the Turnus nigga in the city. But I just wasn't feeling the project like that. For the Gang is a hit already. But I just feel like... 19 tracks is too much to to stomach and tolerate a nigga like 42 Doug. Like, his voice is already irritating as Boosie's voice. You know? I feel like if he would have put out 14, 15-track albums like he did on the Young and Turnt series, I would have felt like he would have been able to follow those up with a great project. What else came out today? Oh yeah, there's a Dave Easton Millie's project that I have yet to check out that you will get the review on next show. Um, what else? What else happened this week? Oh yeah, I forgot. 42 Doug's project was named Freedom Boys. It's just basically an album concept about all of his dudes that are free or are in jail, which is a pretty interesting concept, but at the same time... Um, like I said, Mac. Oh, yeah, I forgot Trust the Sopranos. How could I forget that? I've been hyping up that project. 
yeah i gotta um find some missing tracks but trust the sopranos was a very good listen although i gave matt kami probably the best project of the day despite me giving them both b pluses but trust the sopranos let me tell you something that goddamn benny the butcher is something else him ransom 38 special who only appears on two tracks on the album but the uh, Black Soprano family, you know, Ricky Hyde and Heem and Chase Fetty hold it down. But Shay Nor Nior, the female rapper on that project, she is definitely the, the, the trust on the trust side of things from the trust click. That chick be spitting. Love Lost is probably my favorite track on there, man. And then Immunity with uh, Benny the Butcher dog that project was dope trust the sopranos is a good listen it's only 10 tracks very well i mean biddy the butcher had a 12 track list he had two bonus tracks and shit and then one of the, the copy that i got you know had 10 songs on it and one song that wasn't on biddy what biddy the butcher posted so I gotta find those missing tracks, but the but from the ten tracks that I heard, it's a pretty good project. Again, not album of the year, but definitely worth checking out. But I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I actually passed the 30 minute mark this time. You know, playoff breakdowns are very very tough. But I'm gonna get the fuck up out of here. This is King Known Uncensored, the 2021 NBA Playoff Preview. And I'm out.